1: What's up everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners 360. I'm your host Matt, joined as usual by my co-host Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, aka Mr. 55, our film guru. Before we get to the show, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the 360 Recruiting Podcast on your favorite platform of choice. And thank you for joining us for episode number 18. We're calling this one Greatest Sooners That Never Were and the Greatest Sooners That Almost Were. We're going to have a little bit more fun this week as we enter the end of the dead period doldrums. March is just around the corner. Chris, what's the latest out there on 2024 and 2025, guys? We've got two big visit weekends coming up in March.
2: Yes. So first off, this will be a Michael Hawkins free news segment. Uh, so no, no updates on Michael Hawkins at all coming up in the next uh, 20 to 15, 15 to 20 minutes. So first off, quick wide receiver update. Looks like Emmett Jones is made a making some good impact with the guys that visited at the end of January. Uh, Zion Kearney is down to his top six and he has OU listed. OU seems to be building some momentum there. Uh, Zion Reagan's, the Super speedster from the Georgia area is down to a uh, a less interesting top 12, but OU's also right in there. And then just one other piece of note that we mentioned last week on the uh, on the pod, may have got lost a little bit in some of our discussion, but Bryant Wesco has vaulted into the rival's top 200, and that places him firmly in the composite 100. So OU's got three really good composite top 100 wide receiver target targets, that Emmert Jones seems to have OU right there position to make a run at. Uh, the big weekend next is coming up is March 5th. Uh, we have a good confirmed list on our website so far. So if you're not subscribed to our website, subscribe. We're doing a good job tracking everybody. We've got about nine confirmed names from public comments on Twitter. We're tracking about another additional 10 to 15 names. If some of those names land, It's going to be a really good weekend, maybe as good as the weekend uh, that January 29th was. Uh, But five names I'm going to throw out for you, and they're all D-line names. And OU's made a lot of D-line offers so far this year. Um, Right now, they have about 29 defensive tackle offers, defensive end, defensive tackles. And then they've got about another 20 who are more pure sort of edge rusher prospects. So That's only 50 guys they offered on the D-line, and that's about 10 more than they offered uh, all of last year. So OU definitely likes the D-line talent in the country. And one of the thing, interesting things coming up is three of the guys coming to visit March 5th are D-line players or edge players, and they're from the state of Missouri. And the uh, state of Missouri talent something we've discussed a lot on this pod. We talked a lot about it last week, about why we wanted to play Missouri every year for as a, from a recruiting perspective. Uh, The headliner is obviously Williams Wannieri, the five-star defensive lineman from Summit North, teammate of uh, OU freshman Caden Green. Uh, The next prospect is Kellen Lindstrom. He's a defensive end from Springfield, Missouri. He's 6'5", 240. He's probably more of a defensive end. I don't really see him moving inside. Uh, he's right now a rivals, a newly minted Rivals Top 200 member, and he just got an Alabama offer. And then the last player is a new edge offer that OU just made last week. His name's Caleb Reed. He's around 6'4", 215, if, we're, if we can believe the, the numbers being thrown out from the various services. He's from St. Louis, DeSmet. Uh, where OU has previously uh, had some success. Uh, They signed a wide receiver there from there previously. His name is currently escaping me. Uh, He would have been 2010. uh, Duron Neal. uh, Thank you, thank you, Caleb, for pulling Duron Neal. and not making you search for him. So OU's had some success in St. Louis overall, obviously Ronnie Perkins, and they've had some success at this high school previously. This staff is all over Missouri. Uh, Caleb, Reed, Caleb Reed had 20 sacks last year uh, out of 60 tackles. So he is definitely getting to the quarterback. And then my mm-hmm. favorite, the favorite names, and I butchered these guys' names two weeks ago. I apologize to them and their family for anybody that knows and knows listening. It's the, it's the pair of twins, defensive ends, who dominated OU's summer camp last year. Uh, they dominated along with uh, Keon Brown. Michael Van Buren, you know, those, these were the names that were all coming out of the OU summer camp. And they are Tide Clean Lumen and Tide Cool Hill Lumen. And they're both 6'3, 6'4", 250 range. And their film is really, really good. So they could really be a wild card in OU's D line recruiting. Uh, they're from the Miami area. Uh, but they were, this is their second trip to, to they've camped at OU. And now they're coming on their own dime to OU. And they posted that on Twitter and seemed very excited about it. OU's doing some really nice graphics for the, uh, for the kids for the March 5th event, focusing on the 24-carat 24, the 24, um, uh, connection uh, as the hashtag symbol for this class. So that's 24. One interesting thing is 25, 2025. Looks like it's going to have a big weekend in March as well. It's going to be March 25th that they seem to be focusing on. And we've got a good tracking on that as well. Message board post on it. We're updating it every time we get a confirmed name. But right now, OU has five top 100 kids coming for that event for 25. The first one is Weston Port. He's a linebacker from California, top 75. Uh, His name has been floating around for about the last year. The second name, LeMason Waller, OU offered really early. And he's been talking OU up for nearly two years at this point. And he's an athlete, cornerback, wide receiver, prospect. He's top 100 from California as well. Another California player. There's some 25 stuff with California and OU that seems to be building a little bit. Then we have local star Jaden Nickens. He's a wide receiver. He's already rated a five-star player by at least two services. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 180 pounds, just great basketball player, fantastic athlete, jumps out of the gym, and he's going to be, and it's OU's getting him back on campus again, which is a you know, really good sign. Then we have um, Dejon Pedoway, and, yep, that name should sound familiar to you. He is related to Jaquez. He's a cornerback, about 5'10", 5'11", 180. And everybody has him in the top 20 right now. And then the last name, he's unranked by some of the services, which I'm, I'm not really sure that I really understand. His name is Kelvion Riggins. He's from Texas, and he, he has, like, committable offers from, like, everybody. So uh, he's probably the best linebacker in Texas, probably one of the top 10 players in Texas. So I don't really see how he's not a top 100 player. He was just one of the elite kids at OU summer camp last year. Got a scholarship, got an offer, and getting him back on campus is just great news. He's like 6'1", 210, uh, very kind of, sim, if you want, like a comparison. Um, probably Kip Lewis is probably a great comparison. No, I think Riggins might have a, might have a higher ceiling. But that's, the, that's all the news that we currently kind of have for twenty four, twenty five. Still no verbals. No one should be freaking out about this. This is not Brent's process. He wants to get kids on campus, make connections, make relationships, and then strike once the kids are ready to, to narrow down their list. So we could have a lot of names next week to talk about and have a, a pretty exciting podcast in terms of the, the names are going to be back in Norman. It's
1: a, it's a great list, Chris. I just wanted to mention that Weston Port, this will be his second visit within the last 6 months i believe i think he was a visit in,
2: was it for one of the november games um so yeah that sounds that sounds right so he and lamason waller's been like talking up who you forever so getting both of those talented california kids back on campus is is pretty big yeah and it's funny last week all all we talked about was you know the move to the sec what
1: sec territories um you know are going to be great for recruiting and stuff like that. We kind of ignored the fact that there's still California out there. It's been good to Oklahoma over the years. And if if they're already familiar with Oklahoma and then you add in the SEC, you know, maybe Cali's another ground that we can steal one to two or maybe even three of the top players in California each year. Uh Weston Port definitely fits the bill there. I think he fits the defense really well. Um, so that's, that's positive signs there. So look forward to that 2025 weekend to see, you know, what type of names we should be looking at going forward.
3: Uh, Caleb, actually- do, you have any, do you have any thoughts on these guys? Yeah. So I'll, you know, maybe more general to what we're seeing from the overall kind of a question for Chris there, actually, I'm- Something I'm curious about and have thought about, and like to get his his take. Uh, but I think you also raised a really good point on the California kids. I know it's something. There's been articles written. Uh, I think Joel Clatt has talked about it. Uh, he I think he touched on it a decent amount this past year when you know USC everyone expected, you know, Lincoln to go out there and start to build his empire, like he said, uh, and start to reel in those top in-state kids, and he didn't do it. think like he signed just a handful uh, of the top ten. I think mean, it was like two two or three of yeah. the top ten kids in the state. I think it was only one of the top twenty. One. Yeah, I mean, so like, it was just... So, to me, you bring up a really interesting point, and that has been, and again, this, the articles have been written about this in the past, but over the last ten years, let's say there has been an exodus of the elite talent out of California, really to the SEC and Clemson. You know, let's and Clemson has has done a good job with those kids, and I think uh, Michigan and Ohio State have always historically done decent. Michigan, in particular, in California, uh, but I think that's something really interesting to watch. Like like California kids want to play the elite kids they have some of the best football in the country. Right. And they're going to want to play in those uh, elite conferences and Oklahoma offers those kids, the ability a little bit shorter uh, of a, of a track and maybe, you know, it's the closest blue blood elite program. Uh, right. That's, I guess, suppose not USC. Uh, so that's an interesting one, but to the class, Chris, I'm interested in your take on this. So, and we've talked a little bit about is is Brent shifting focus or I don't say shifting focus, but is he, right? No plan survives first contact, right? For last year was first, last year was first contact. Like he shifted how he's doing things because coming in, it was, we're going to offer fewer kids than everybody else, but we're going to do a better job of recruiting them. And they signed a top, whatever it is, right. Top, top five class. This year, it, it's very different. The amount of offers, even for 24 kids that have gone out, and I think edge players really highlights that because Oklahoma's in a really good position with some of the elite edge players in the country. But that's not stopping them from shooting out offers to kids they like, which to me is like, it's, it's surprising. What, what do you, What is your take on that? Do you think it's just them saying, we want to continue to you know flip this roster over? again, we we know this kid is good, so we're gonna offer him a scholarship uh, and and just and playing that out as we get through to summer when we'll see most of these kids start to
2: pull the trigger. what are your what's your take on the amount of offers this year compared to last? I think I think the process is probably I think Brent's changed his process just a little bit. He's offering a little more kids. um you know, I think last year. Um, you know, I think Brent probably regrets not having some offers and some focus on some kids in November that he couldn't double back to. Um and the Etta the Edda kid from um from uh, from Dallas, from the Dallas area, the defensive end who ended up in Michigan. I think he's probably one of those guys where Brent's like, yeah, we really should have, we should have, we shouldn't have wait, We shouldn't have been until November that we had made a bigger bigger push with him, um, something like that. But I think part of it, uh, to your point, Caleb, is just it's just the depth of talent. And for those of you not on our message board, I mentioned this and I do a recruiting thoughts of the week article. I just posted on our site. One of the things I mentioned is that it, it, this rec- this D line and defensive end and edge class is just so deep and it's so spread out. I mean, OU has I mean, OU has your favorite guy up in uh, up in Connecticut and. And if he, if he wanted a verbal today, would you take that verbal, knowing everybody else OU has in play? I would, because I think he grows into a defensive tackle. I think he's going to grow into a – Yeah, but tackle. I mean, he, he's that good, right? And then you've got
3: – Yeah, absolutely. I think so.
2: And then you've got, you know, Daniel Okoye decides he wants to stay in state. He calls tomorrow and says he wants to be a Sooner. Um, sure. Um, and then you've got, you know, when Ari visits – Um, You know, when Airy visits now, he comes back and for the spring game to watch Caden play, Caden's out there kicking ass and all of a sudden he decides that big family thing is what I want. So, I mean, I mean, I think it's just the scope of how good the defensive line class OU has D line offers to players and I can can double candidate to around 15 states. So, I mean, that's, that's an insane number when you think about it in terms of D-line talent um, and the state. So they've got players that they're interested in. So I think a little bit of it is just the depth and the scope of how good the defensive line talent is across the country has caused OU to make so many offers. I think also OU's just, I mean, as you said, you know, it's the famous comment, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. That's the old, that's the old line. It's the old Napoleon line. And I, and I do think, you know, Brent's looked looked at what he did last year loved how some of it worked, but I do think in November, you know, Brent was a little bit like, we got, we found some good guys. We like the guys that we got, but I don't want to be in that position again. Right. So if I'm in October and I still need a defensive tackle on the defensive end, I want to have more offers and more, more irons in the fire. Right. I want to have more good irons in the fire. um, you know, you could, the Connecticut player, uh, Benedict Yuma, TJ Lindsey from Arkansas is a big defensive end who has defensive tackle written all over him. And I just offered this other guy, Teon Gray, uh, the other day from uh, the St. Louis area again. And he's 6'6, 295. And the guys making the offers were the D line guys. Um, and he, he he has like no rankings. And I only just dug up his junior film. So I think that's where the scope looks like it's coming from. That's where the size, I think, looks like it's coming. is from the D-line. OU always makes a bunch of wide receiver offers, right? Yeah. Because um, there's, there's just so much wide receiver talent out in the country, right? So that's not a big surprise. The The running back situation is a little surprising. DeMarco usually has things narrowed down a little bit more by now. Um, they're making a lot of tight end offers. Also, the Devin Mitchell might reclassify to 24. Uh, the Allen tight end, who's now out in L.A. So that could change things at tight end very, very quickly because he, he's six—he's every bit 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, 240, 250. Uh, he's, he's a big kid. He, he doesn't need a lot of time in high school. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's the D line. It's where it's really starting from. And OU's just... I think they just found more players that can legitimately be Sooners that players that are, you know, I think Brent, especially on the D line, as you said, Oh, you've got some high end edge rushers they're looking at. So if this guy, Caleb Reed comes on the campus and says, I want to be a Sooner, you know, do you, do you take him? And if you take him, you know, does that mean you're eliminating yourself from some other names or does that mean, you know, do you take him two edge rushers? What do you, what do your numbers look like? So it's, it's a hard to predict what's going on right now. And I think it's hard to predict because the D line class is so talented and so deep across the board that, you know, you could say, you know, uh, let's say a yacht and Brayland comes in for the spring game. Loves, loves what he sees at OU. Okay. That's your big defensive tackle. Um, and you've still got, you know, David stone and so Sims and, you know, just keep rattling off names. So it's, it's it's interesting. I'm not quite sure how it's all going to break out. I'm hoping the March 5th group will give us a better idea. Um but if this if we still keep heading with this group of guys and and, and all of these guys in play heading to June visits, the May-June visits where OU really wants to strike, it's 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 going to be very interesting to see. We could see, you know, last year we were really trying to figure out how OU could fit in. Um, Jordan Renaud and uh, PJ Adebore and um, and then the Austin guy that burned us, you know. It, it could this year. I mean, those are the three main guys that are really in play back then. It could be this year. Yeah, we're heading, and it's like six guys that are fighting for three spots or two, three, two spots, and we're not don't quite you know which way it's going to go. So I think maybe maybe Brent wants to have a little more irons in the fire at some key positions, and there's nothing more key right now for the OU. Recruiting class and D line. But, you know, to that point, I think even Bill Biedenbauer has a better list of of, of prospects right now um, on his side of the board. So I think that just might be um, Brent asking Bill to just, you know, let's have a little market. Let's have, we don't want four, we want five. So let's not have, let's not have 12 guys we're looking at that we really want to, we really want to push on. Let's have closer to 16. So yeah,
3: no, I I think you bring up a good point, right, on that where it, Last year, you know, Etta is a good example. And then again, Oklahoma. Etta, Etta and now from, from from Texas. From yeah, yeah. So and, and, then, and then Oklahoma losing out on, on Bassick and Renaud, you know, it puts them in a place where they're luckily were able to find a, a kid that had a great senior year. Yeah. Uh, and, but no, I mean, it's it makes sense. I mean, they just like learn from that and they've done a better job with all of the support staff they have of saying, hey, Let's, uh, make sure we've got more than, you know, uh, more than just a few, but, you know, there's not very many of these guys that that's the thing with all of them. They're not reaches is, is what sticks out to me when you watch the tape on them. It's like, okay, I see that. Right. Uh, it's, they're not reaches, but but to answer your question on, do you take two dressers, The answer is always.
4: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean it's gonna be inter- it's gonna be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And you know, names will fall off and verbally commit. But you know, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in OU. This class is real, I mean, OU should not have got a top five class last year. They just should not have. How they did that defies all recruiting norms that I that I know, right? First year classes, first year coaching staff is coaching staffs don't pull in five top, top, top five classes. They just don't. They don't. Um, for them to have done that, so now they're more established. They've built up more relationships with kids. You know, you still, you know, pretty heavily involved with T.A. Cunningham. Um, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell uh, Bates that. That's a that coach Bates. That's a silly idea, and he's he's lost a little bit. But you know, so we'll see if he shows up on campus and he looks like the guy. He looks like his sophomore film. Then you know, I mean. And he's bulked up, and all of a sudden, you know, that kid's 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds, and, and he's super athletic. So it's, it's, it's crazy in terms of the guys who are legitimately in play for OU right now along the, along the defensive lines and at the, at the sort of the edge linebacker spots.
3: Yeah, no, I think uh, the old saying, right, the best option is the option that gives you the most options. And I <laughs> you know, think they, they've learned uh, this is maybe the, it's, it's a really good approach. It, uh, it's, it's, it's impressive seeing the amount of kids that are high on Oklahoma right now uh, at this, you know, at, in February, which we'll see all that, you know, sort itself out through the end of July, but it's, it's very interesting. Well, real
1: quick, Caleb, you you. Touched on it for a second, but I think the support staff has a, a big hand in this. Uh, they had the f- a full season. You know, they've been in Norman uh, what 15 months now. The staff yeah. collectively, yeah, I think, a really it, good point. it just seems like okay. Now we we're in the the rhythm. We we have a plan. Looks let's, let's execute it. I, it seems like all these offers and how they're setting up the 24 and 25 classes just. It seems organized. It seems like they have, um, you know, all their ducks in a row to hit the ground running. You know, that that first big weekend in January that blew any weekend besides that July weekend out of the water from last year. So I, I think the support staff has a lot to do with this. You know, they're scouring the country, watching film, setting up boards and we're seeing that come to fruition now, you know, with how much, you know, the, the spread that they have and how many players they have that are, that are good quality players, you know, they found all these guys over the last year and they're attacking it. So, uh, you know, I I thought that was a good point that you touched on. Uh, So
2: just wanted to touch on that real quick. Yeah. And, and, you know, It's being thrown around. Um, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to ignore the first site that said it. wasn't our site. It was either two, four, seven, or rivals. I mean, there's heavy rumors that Seth Luttrell is about to join. Right? I don't know that OU's about That's to right. add. about to add another, another really high value coaching um, talent to the staff. I mean. Seth 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 has extensive background in running, running offenses and can do nothing but help OU in, in evaluating players. Yeah. yeah if, if, really he joins, if he joins, he's not signed up yet. So, you know, I mean, yeah. we're not, we're not, we're not breaking some, we're not breaking news here. This is not, we're not saying he's, he's hired or anything like that, but it has been reported by the other, the other media outlets that, that cover OU that there's, there appears to be interest there from both sides. So. Yeah. I think to Matt's point, like, I think the thing that I
3: noticed maybe the most, uh, the biggest difference in an approach where I think the support staff has, it's really obvious is the offensive line. Like to, you know, I think, you know, Matt, it, you mentioned that, right? Like you, the number of offers where they're sitting with these guys. I think Chris as well, there's a, it's a very, very big difference. I think we, you know, you've seen Chris, your, your point, uh, you know, it's that old Mike Leach, right? You can, guys that are 5'11", 180 pounds and can run or a dime a dozen, just go to the mall and walk around and you'll you'll bump into, you know, a 100 of them. Uh, so receivers and DB offers have always been like really plentiful. Uh, offensive linemen, it just looks like that. When you look at their board there and you see where they're at with everyone, you know, there's that picture on social of uh, that first weekend with those all those offensive linemen that were there, those top kids. It looks like, maybe more than any other position. And it makes sense that it would be, you know, support staff helping with that position. I've always felt like having one coach to coach, develop, recruit, uh, 15 kids at a time, recruiting classes of five to six per year, uh, that vital of a position you, you've got to have a really big support staff and support structure and process in place to help that. And it looks it, you know at least from the outside looking in uh like 15 months in they they they've got that
4: that process in place
1: so perhaps Brent is not in over his head
4: well, he's not over he's certainly son, not over right. his head in
1: recruiting that is very true so we'll <laughs> have to see how the the
4: field turns out in the fall um Okay, so good podcasts
1: are 100% original, but great podcasts steal. Our partner podcast, The Barry and Mac Show over at 360, and our partners over there as well, had a great feature last week. Uh, They drafted their ultimate Sooner team. Uh, The parameters were 2000 to current. Uh, So over here on the recruiting pod, as much fun as it would be to just copy them word for word, doesn't really fit our niche of the Sooner football world. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to Chris, and he's going to lead us through uh, two
2: little fun fantasy drafts. Thanks, Matt. So while I'd love to draft another group of Sooners, I just don't think that fits us. So I had the idea to, do, to steal the great idea and turn it into something a little more recruiting-wise. So we're going to do two mini-drafts between Caleb, Matt, and I the first one is going to be the greatest set of players that were almost Sooners. The second one is going to be uh, the greatest set of players that were that just the greatest that never were, basically. The, the Marcus Dupree story, guys OU signed that we thought were going to be great, and they just weren't. So uh, they're going to be four it's going to be a four round draft. I've mixed the draft order as, as, as fair as possible, I think. I've, I've placed myself the recruiting expert. I get the last pick in the first round for both contests to keep this as fair as possible. So, the first one we're going to do is the greatest, greatest players that were almost sooners, greatest recruits that were almost sooners. Uh, the player had to be close to choosing OU or had OU second on their list, or decommitted from OU. And you just have to be able to defend uh, their almost soonerness if challenged by, by by another player. So, Matt, you get to lead off with the first pick of the greatest players, greatest recruits that were almost sooners. Who is your first round? Who is the first pick in the first round? man this is tough uh
1: i was i was explaining to chris and kayla before we went live that uh this took a while for me to figure out this list uh i'm kind of you know the recruiting world was new to me in the, the late 2000s uh kind of around when i graduated high school and got to college so i think i missed the first you know fun years of recruiting um but i'm going to go ahead and lead off uh, i was i'm between Two players, and they're actually both receivers. I'll go with the one that we know was the closest, and he actually ended up being a sooner for a a moment. Dorial Green Beckham, class of 2012, out of Hillcrest High School, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, he was the number one overall player that year. Um, you know we we were as close as you can get to signing him right out of high school. Um, a freak athlete, 6'6", 220, out of high school, Uh, fantastic film. Everybody thought he was going to be, you know, the next great one, the next Randy Moss, Uh, just a fantastic player. Uh, It seemed like he might have been ours, and then he wasn't. He went to Missouri, uh, ran into some issues there. Actually, ended up coming to OU for a was he here here for a full season? I think it was a full season. Um, kind of that red shirt. This he was is here before. for that. He was here that for that fall. For that yeah, fall. and yeah. it's that was before you had the free transfer. So I yep. think he was going to have to redshirt anyway. Yes, um, he was under Bob Stoops' thumb that whole season, um, but he just could never get out of his own <laughs> way. So um, I thought that would that may be the best one to lead off with since he
2: was ranked number one overall that year. That's an outstanding pick, Matt. Um, The Sooner Nation obsessively followed DGB's recruiting for about two and a half years. Uh, uh, He essentially was able to, he essentially went to Missouri because they offered his younger brother. They gave his younger brother who never became a prospect, a, a scholarship offer. And I think actually if he had, if, the One of those one of this is this is whole the the road not taken right this whole these guys could almost be sooners we're definitely on the road not taken path of reimagining sooner history and if you reimagine Doriel Green Beckham, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Mixon all eligible in two thousand and fourteen I'm not sure you ever see the lincoln Riley uh the Lincoln Riley program ever start
4: damn i didn't even. Think how close those you, three guys DGB, were.
2: DGB and Sterling Shepard tear up Big 12 secondaries, those two guys. You give DGB, Sterling Shepard as his, as his wingman, and you have Mixon and Pirine behind that veteran line with Trevor, Trevor Knight, that's, that's, that's a very different Sooner football team. But actually, sorry, it's not Trevor Knight. Baker. I think Baker beats Trevor Knight in that in fall camp wow so if your whole thing about open open transfers available and let's just say joe mixon veers away from a certain sandwich shop and goes a different direction that's a that's a very different 2014 sooner football team i think i think i think that's a team that 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 is in a very different stage so a great first pick matt All right, Caleb, I'm not sure that was anybody on your – I don't think you were thinking that. I wasn't thinking
3: that. wasn't even – I wrote down 15 names. It wasn't on my list.
2: He's not on my list. Matt, you did a great job. He's not on my list at all either. So just shows you how we're thinking. So, Caleb, what's your recruiting timeline really, and what's your first pick? Yeah, so my
3: recruiting timeline really falls in line with, I would say, you know, the start rise of rivals, right? So right in that – 2001, 2002, uh, and it rolls through from there, uh, to now I'll give this caveat kind of at the outset of this, the way I approached this in my mind, in my methodology, uh, right was players that had they chosen Oklahoma would have had the greatest impact on Oklahoma football by going by what they were and what they did by and large. Right. And how I looked at that to my mind, and I think everyone would probably agree whether they've sat down and actually thought about it and, and put it this way. But the, the run that Oklahoma had from 2000 to 2008 was in a lot of ways, <laughs> it was a, they were a hair here and a hair there, From you know, I say hair. I mean, one player doesn't get injured, right? Jason White doesn't take an elbow to the helmet. To the, uh, I'm sorry, take a helmet to the elbow against Kansas State, right? And he's fully healthy when they when they play uh, LSU, right? Something along those lines. You know, the one recruit they missed on, let's say that would have been on the 2003 2014 team that they beat LSU which you give Bob Stoops three national titles in five years, what does that look like, right? You can say he wins four and eight, and you're talking about, he probably rides off in 2011, right? Uh, but it's, yeah. it's just a that's how I approach this. Even having said that, uh, the guy I know I shouldn't choose, I didn't. Uh, it's my number one. So my number one on that list, and I just go back to the first time, and this was 2000, class of 2001, linebacker out of Waco, Texas, Derek Johnson.
2: Ah oh, man. Okay. So you pulled somebody off my one of my lists. All yeah. right.
3: Guy grew up with a Texas I grew up with a Texas booster. Uh he I, it's fine. I wasn't gonna be a high level division one recruit, but I, he was enough of a booster he he paid when I was in high school to have me come out of Texas football camp and and go through the you know the the car wash with Mac Brown. Uh he you know in those days, you know, it this is pre-internet not pre-internet, but pre-internet recruiting. You know, when you're a booster you at the end, when they sign, you get a big packet, right? From the, from the football uh, program that would have, like, I'm pretty sure a DVD. It might've been a VHS. I don't know, (laughs) but had, that had the class on it. And I remember going over to his house and he said, watch this kid. And the first time I watched Derek Johnson's, you know, Waco highlights, I remember thinking, oh my God. I thought I'd seen good football players and it reminded me of like the Billy Madison scene where, you know, he's competing and the other, the other guy plays a a symphony on a violin and Billy looks at him and turns his clarinet upside down and just blows it and goes, he's good. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, my God, like, there are levels to this. I've never seen anything like it. And I think if you take him, I know Oklahoma's great on defense in that stand from 2000 to 2004, but you put Derek Johnson next to, uh, you know, Calmus and Lehman and then Lehman
2: uh, and then Lance Mitchell and, and, and ah, Derek Johnson you, and he's playing with those well, guys. But that, well, through that path, if you have Derek Johnson, do you get Lance Mitchell? Yeah, look, to me, like Lance is a Lance was a Mike and, and Derek was a was a Will,
3: uh, you know. So I think Teddy uh, Teddy could have, and I think he did right, Just flying over to Mike. Uh, so yeah, I think they all they all played together, right?
2: Yeah, I mean if they had that three linebacker group. Yeah, I mean if Derek Johnson's OU starting middle, if OU John, if Teddy Layman's at Will, Derek Johnson's at Michael, reverse it. And Lance Mitchell is also in that group. If they have those three linebackers, I'm I'm not sure with the with those skill sets. I'm not. I don't know how you. I don't know how you. OU's defense uh, definitely wins the O three title. Oh yeah. O two. You know, there's some other stuff going on on offense there. Um, yeah, that's interesting.
3: All right. Well, I mean, you think about 2003, right? If, you,
2: if anybody remembers the game day features
3: late in the year, I think after Oklahoma beat Texas A&M 77 to nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There were all those features of, is this the best defense? And maybe the best team, but is this the best defense we've seen in college football? Right? And to your point, like if Derrick Johnson is a junior on that team, starting at will with Teddy and Mike, I mean, I don't think LSU scores outside of the pick and six. I mean, and they oh, Oklahoma you, you. probably doesn't throw a pick six because why, right? It's just I don't think particularly an offense like that, you know, most teams would have had a difficult time scoring against that defense in 2003.
2: Yeah. All right. So here's my going along that motif. And I did a little bit of what you did as well. But some, some players I just wrote down just because they were so obvious. But this is a name you may not necessarily associate with OU. But I'm telling you, following recruiting, it fits right in the timetable. This kid was down to OU in Arizona State, the Ravens' all-time sack leader. And is he in the Hall of Fame already? I'm not sure. Was he, are, was he really? Are you sure he wasn't down to Arizona State and USC? No, no. He was down to Oh, He had a great visit at OU. It is Terrell Suggs. Yeah. So, oh, Suggs. You imagine that OU defense with Tommy and Dusty in the middle, and you imagine it now with Jimmy Wilkerson, Terrell Suggs, and I'm a, and Dan obviously lost a year in there in the middle, and Dan Cody as your def- and Jonathan Jackson as your rush ends. But just imagine Terrell Suggs as the rush end next to Dusty and Dan, Dusty and Tommy. And I'm not sure that doesn't win you a one. Might win you O two, because if he's sacking quarterbacks, maybe the OSU and A&M disaster games don't happen. But yes, Terrell Sub down to OU in USC and and ASU. It was so close. He had a fantastic visit to OU. He almost was a sooner. Would that have been so he would have visited like uh in first jobs first
4: first year.
3: First, first, year? Year. first year. Yeah, because yeah, didn't he didn't he have some like I mean, didn't he have his senior year in 0-2, maybe his junior year, probably. Uh, no, some junior astron- year. And his didn't he have some astronomical is- like, number of sacks, like 20 yes. sacks that year?
2: Yeah, 20 sacks, yeah. And and if you if you can just imagine him next to Dusty and Tommy in terms of assaulting D-lines, and then all of a sudden you've got, you can play him, you can rest him more because you got Jimmy Wilkerson and you got Jonathan Jackson and... You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to remember Dan's Dan Cody's year absence. He had to take off the field for uh, for I think it was it was never stated, but I, I think, think it was, was I think it was O one O one. So yeah, Terrell Suggs was almost as soon. Wow, and think put it,
3: put it in perspective like this: Dan is uh, Oklahoma's third all time leading sacker with 25, yep. and Terrell Suggs had 20 his junior year. I think it's. You know, it doesn't, nothing's ever really touched that season. Although, uh, who was the linebacker that passed away? Well, like Anderson, Anderson, I think he, Will Anderson. I think, made, Will Anderson had a great year, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that Derek Thomas, I think Derek Thomas yes, yes. didn't he have, oh, didn't, yeah, have yeah. didn't he have
2: some crazy senior year at Alabama? Yeah, he had just an insane number of tackles for loss and sacks. It was just, it was absurd. Like, I know he had said, like, set like four or five in one NFL game. Set the record for games, sacks in one game. I think one time he sacked the Seahawks quarterback like like seven times nearly, I think, or something like that. But yeah, Terrell Suggs, almost a Sooner. So we, so we finished round one with
1: two college football Hall of Famers, a lock for the NFL Hall of Fame, a fringe NFL Hall of Famer, and Doriel Greenbeckham.
2: <laughs> it has no NFL history whatsoever. But I think, I think you, guys, you guys got me on that one. <laughs> no, but but I think to your point, he's a Sooner. He's being coached by Jay Norvell. He's under Bob's scheme. He's got, he would have started with us with, I think, Kenny Stills and Jalen Saunders still around on the roster, that tight wide receiver group. I think Beckham oh as a Sooner as a freshman, he is still in the NFL. He, he would have had a big NFL career. He would have been He would have been so good. I think he would have been fine. I think it's a case uh, of he chose the wrong school, and he would have been under OU's situation. He would have been much better situation. He would have been in a much better situation.
3: Yeah, I agree. I sure. just, I just sure. want to, I just want to correct myself because I, you know, there's probably that ASU fan, that's a closet ASU fan, to get this correct. Terrell Suggs uh, had 24 sacks as a junior. He is he finished his ASU career with a school record, 65 and a half tackles for loss and forty-four sacks with 14 forced fumbles. Yeah. And that's and like my uncle teams playing teams with us. On, right? Yeah. It's so like on. my uncle
2: playing with us when I was a kid on Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. just it's like PJ in high school, but yeah, I yeah, mean, they, yeah That's Terrell. Terrell, that he could have been a sooner next to Dusty and uh and Tommy. And even doesn't even even bear thinking about what they might have done to offensive lines. I mean, were Jimmy Wilkerson and Jonathan Jackson and Dan Cody, all very good college football players, but they're not Darrell Suggs? All right, we're on to round two. Uh, The picks have changed here. I get the first round pick, and I'm not going to do what I should do, which is take away one of Caleb's picks, because I promised him I wasn't going to do that. So I'm gonna no, go, go go for it. it. Go for it. Because I, I, I probably yeah, got no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I, I have to get I have to get this name off the board. We have to close this this chapter of OU football. I have to pick the name that will never be mentioned. The name that cannot be mentioned. <laughs> the all-time recruiting meltdown of all meltdowns. Robert Freaking Meacham from Booker T. Washington High School in Tulsa. I'm a Tulsa memorial grad, ergo I hate Booker T Washington. Robert Meacham, O U O U O U O U O U, Bob Stoops delays his his press conference. I don't even know the technology at the time, but I think I don't even know if it was Josh that was doing it from Sooner Scoop. He's the only guy at the time I really remember doing this. I think Josh was in Tulsa trying to relay something back to the message board. And some told, and one of the, I think, either Kraf or WWLS broke in it and said that he had signed with Tennessee. And it was just crippling. It was absolutely crippling. Robert went on to have a good college career. I think he had a decent NFL career, but he absolutely powerbombed the OU recruiting world back back in
4: the early 2000s. It's a great pick.
3: I remember. I knew, I knew that one was coming off there at some point. I, I
1: remember. Uh, I mean, I grew up an OU fan. My my parents went to OU, but you know, in the early two thousands, I'm I'm in middle school, high school, not really following recruiting. And when I got to OU, I you know used one of my buddy's scoop accounts, and that's how it kind of all started. And it took me maybe six months to figure out who the hell everybody was talking about whatever <laughs> they mentioned, you know, the, that guy, they will not mention.
2: It, I, I mean, couldn't figure it, it out. It, it, I had no idea. It obliterated the message board for like, I don't know, a couple of hours signing day for a couple of hours. I mean, it was just, it was, there's there's no, there's no real meltdown that can quite encapsulate this because OU badly needed a wide receiver. He like nearly verbaled like five times to OU. and 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 like i said bob delayed his press conference because he was told he wanted to talk about Meacham. and it was such a it was such a lock and then he said tennessee and we we're all like what so yeah that's 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 the wound it's the it's uh, to to be to go ultimate geek reference that's the wound that will never heal it's like this, you know the the sword injury frodo gets uh in the Lord of the Rings movies that never will heal. That, that's the that's the recruiting wound for me that will that that can and will never I had I had Booker T Washington people sources at the time guaranteeing me he was to side with OU. It was just it was an absolute I had like told everyone I knew we're getting Meacham, don't worry about it, we're getting him, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. He took a midweek visit to Tennessee, spent like eight hours on their campus, and then side with him. It was an absolute it was just absolute detonation of every message board related to you. It was a classic, it was a classic. It's a good, That's a good one.
3: I was going to have him on my, I didn't put him on my list. And the only reason I didn't is, uh, he was really came down to, you know, he was a 2003 kid. So three and four, uh, I think he tore his ACL, uh, his first year at Tennessee. So he actually only played like four or five and six, but, uh, you know, four and three and four. Oklahoma was had some veteran receivers that were, you know, that was that was what like I want to say it was like Mark Clayton, Travis Wilson, Mark Bradley, Brandon Jones, Will Peoples. Yeah, it was to, those yes, groups.
2: They had, they had, you know, and uh
3: but but to your yeah. point, he, when he was tearing it up was five six, yeah. and that would have put him. You know, that's why Oklahoma needed him so badly. Is uh when. Yeah. When receiver fell off at Oklahoma only had Travis Wilson in two thousand five, you would have had Travis Wilson opposite Robert Mitchum. And in two thousand six you got and again, that just goes back to like when you really sit down and you go through guys and you look at like where Oklahoma's at, like, oh man, they almost signed this guy. It was a shock that he went here. It was a shock that this guy went there. They did sign this guy and he had a back injury. You can see how I mean they were it shows that thin line. They were one to two guys each year, essentially each year from 2000 to 2008 or 2009. They were one to two players, one or two injuries from competing for winning a national title. Every one of those years.
2: All right, Caleb, you are back
3: up. So in that vein, I'll go with a guy. Uh, To me, it was, to, to me, it was probably the difference in Oklahoma winning the 2008 national title and then not winning the 2008 national title, and I love those guys, that were the receivers on that 2018 team. Uh, right, they were you know, Joaquin Iglesias and Manny Johnson. Uh, you had you know, Brian Burroughs as, as a redshirt freshman. They were good, but Jeremy Macklin was committed to Oklahoma, and he flipped late uh, back. Say back, he flipped to the home state, Missouri Tigers, where he went on was a first round draft pick, number nineteen overall. Uh, and in his two years, because he, he's another kid tore his ACL, only played two thousand seven, two thousand eight. In his two years as a starter on those Missouri teams, he had twenty three hundred yards receiving and twenty two touchdowns. Added another seven hundred yards rushing. Uh, and was, I believe in like an all American uh, punt returner. He was the guy that would take the top off the defense. He was the guy that was going to stretch him everybody vertically where Gresham, you know it, in that intermediate was going to live and destroy and eat folks. You know, Macklin's a difference between a safety being able to roll down and 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 then bracket Jermaine Gresham, which is what Florida did, right. That's to me, it's like, that's just the difference in that Florida game, because if you've got Jeremy Macklin with Sam Bradford and with Jermaine Gresham, uh, you know, even though DeMarco got hurt, right. He would have been a difference as well, but let's just say he still is banged up those two, the way they're able to play off of each other. Uh, it's, it it takes, you know, it's pick your poison, right? Do you want to get hit for a 70-yard bomb, or do you want us to just eat you alive at 14 yards a clip to our our 6'6", 250-pound tight end? And I think, you know, Macklin, if he stays, I think Oklahoma probably wins the 2008 national title.
2: I knew you were picking him, so I did not pick him on purpose. That's why I went with the the Tennessee trader, Robert Meacham. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's funny. It's,
3: you know... I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. Uh, as Barry said, we we called out a couple of programs. Oklahoma is twenty and two against Missouri on the field since nineteen eighty four. They absolutely own the Tigers, but you look at this and they have been a, a small thorn in Oklahoma's side with some with some of the you know some kids recruit uh, really. Recruiting Recruit right. here or there, here or there. And Macklin was one that, you know, again, committed to Oklahoma uh, and flipped, I mean, to Missouri. I, I, I get it, their home state, but gosh. We've already talked about two
1: that went to Missouri that we wanted. Yeah. You and you know, everybody recruits like, Weezer like burn, right? And,
2: All right, Matt. So it's your pick. Are you going to go with another wide receiver? Or Apparently, wide receiver uh-huh. to go, you know, echo in our memory, or are you going to go somewhere else? What's your, uh-huh. your pick?
1: Well, I actually am going wide receiver, and <laughs> I think this guy also would have helped in 2008. Uh, he would have been a true freshman, and I think he did play as a true freshman. I don't see any reason why he would he have.
3: He would have been great. I know you're talking
1: about. And uh, I think it, it might be revisionist history, but I think OU was a lot closer than, than people might have thought. Uh, you know, I, I heard some things that around the time um, there were arrangements made. Maybe we'll get into that on the board. Um, <laughs> Julio Jones.
2: All right. die down. Alabama. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let that pass. Some people will say we had no chance to sign him. He visited for the Texas game. He had a great visit to OU. If Saban's not there, if something is just like you just twitch history slightly, I think he's a sooner. So we're going to let it, we're going to let that pass.
3: I agree. I I remember that recruitment. Well, it was, uh, you know, it was, you know, to that point, right. It was, if it wasn't, if he was an Alabama kid uh, and as Steve Spurrier mentioned, uh, those scholarships to Alabama have always been a little more valuable than everybody else's. Uh, It was that way in the sixties, seventies, eighties. I mean, that's just, I'll say this, I'd say it to any Alabama fan of their face. I uh, am Auburn fan. Everything that all everyone of negative associates with the SEC is really South Alabama and Auburn. You wouldn't want to talk about boosters run amok, the shadiest stuff you've ever seen. It's those two schools. <laughs> yeah, you do
2: you don't remember the Charlie Pell Florida years. So yeah, no, no, I mean <laughs> I don't, but I mean it's just like that was that was a Florida was a that film. Florida got bombed by with and Galen Hall cheated after Charlie Pell. so um Florida got bombed was, for, for a good reason for a long time, but yeah, it was okay. it's uh it's like that was a really close recruiting. It was one of those dumb and dumber moments, so you're saying we have a chance, right? and we uh-huh. looked like we had a chance. There's another guy who went to lSU on signing day. It looked like we were about to get the flip. It was um Randall um Joseph Randall Joseph Randall it looked like we were about to get him and so it was like back to back years we went into signing day and it looked like there was a chance we could get an SEC wide receiver and it just it never happened so all right good pick Matt. you've gone you've gone two big wide receivers one two so let's hope you're gonna fill out your roster with some different folks here coming up Caleb who is your number three almost sooner You know, I hope my memory serves me correctly
3: on this. Uh, I really do. So this will be really surprising uh, because I should pick Cam Newton. uh,
4: Because... Oh, man, that's a good one. I mean, everyone remember that, right?
3: Oklahoma had (laughs) uh, Landry Jones returning. And Kevin Wilson's like, I like this uh, Cam Newton kid, right, who was at Blinn. And he took two visits. He visited, I'm pretty sure, I think that's correct. I think he visited Oklahoma and he visited Auburn. Uh, Auburn, again, it's the SEC. I believe the number
2: was $250,000 in cash you're, that you're, you're, to his father's say, church. You're, you're going Cam Newton, right? No, no, I'm actually going Tatum Bell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, and, and, here's, and here's why, right? Like, uh, to me, like, if you add Tatum Bell with the two thousand three team, again, it just goes back to remember like uh, the LSU game, right? Uh, and and I, I love Key one, but, but Tatum was a better was a
2: better running back. See, Tatum I mean, Bell add, wins the uh, wins the 02 Alabama game instead of Renato works.
4: I'm sure. I mean, there's
3: a good chance that you know he's broke a couple of big runs for you know. Right. Right. but they're already ahead. Right. Like, cause that's, I mean, again, like love Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo was a four, seven guy. I mean, Tatum ran four, three, four at the combine. Uh, you know, he just, he's a home run hitter. Right. And, uh, he, his years were 2000 or 2003. You know, he, you know, I, I think plug him into that team. And you're looking at right there, right before Adrian Peterson got to Norman in 2003, Oklahoma with that LSU, you add a, you know, what, what Tatum Bell may um, me, me see here, right? Like what round he went in uh, with the Broncos. But I, I think, I think uh, he changes history a bit for, for Oklahoma. I mean, he second round pick for the Broncos in 2004.
2: Yep. Okay. All right. He was maybe everything. He would have been everything that we thought Dante Hickson was supposed to be. So all world, right? Oh, I Dante Hickson, I, get, I was telling people, Dante Hickson, next two thousand yard rusher for OU. Yeah, that's yeah. what recruiting hype gets you. All right, Matt, you're back <laughs> up. You've had some solid picks. Who's your third pick? Dare I go receiver again? You can. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, I've got
4: this,
1: I, I've got receivers left on this board. I've got one. Maybe I'll hold them for next round because that that would be an interesting discussion in and of itself.
4: I'm going to go defense this time, and I'm going to go to the class of 2012, Denton
1: Ryan, 6'4", 275, number three overall, the top defensive Uh tackle in the country, Mario Edwards Jr. Okay, all right. This could be some revisionist history, but I think it was between us and Florida
2: State. Uh yeah, he, he, had a, he, he had he had a terrible visit to OU. He caught our campus. He famously visited. Didn't he
3: Chris? Tell me if I'm wrong. i I think it I remember this correctly. He visited Banquet Weekend,
2: and yep. it was at a time when there was a lot of internal well, streaks. got blown out issues. He just, he just got blown out by OSU. Half-Air was wide receiver core was hurt. Ryan Broyles blew his knee out against AM like three weeks before. We were heading to the was, that the, was that the Arizona ball we beat? Where we beat somebody bad? Iowa? Uh, it was Iowa. Oh, yeah. Iowa. Yeah, we yeah. played a terrible game, a boring game against Iowa where uh, we had no wide receivers. Kenny Stills was, I think, suffering from, con- from was out with a concussion. Ryan Brawls blew his knee out. We had like no one at wide receiver. Everybody was hurt. We had like no running backs. Um, Brendan Clay was hurt. Um, I think, uh, I think the, uh, the guy who blew, the guy who hurt his, uh, hurt his ankle never came back. And, um, uh, and the guy with the big run against Texas, D.D. Lewis, is it D.D.? No, no, Oh, uh, uh, Damian Williams. Damian Andy Williams Lewis. was off, was bounced because of pot. So we were like, on, the whole roster was on fumes offensively. And our team was just in a, just. We I mean we got we got our heads kicked in by OSU and Stillwater. Landry fumbled backwards like twice. Yeah. And, I mean, really, we should have ran the belldozer and given the ball to Trey Millard. Like actually, I think Trey hurt his knee that year too. I, we should have run the belldozer all game against OSU that day. Um, it was an absolute mess. And he visited, we had us high. He, you know, he was he was an FSU legacy. So there was always the question was going to follow that. Um, but he looked really high on OU and then it just we just flattened like a pancake, and he dropped us Dropped us, and ended up choosing between Texas and, uh, I think, FSU on signing day. But, yeah. It, yeah. Oh, I remember you coming out of that off. weekend. Oh, yeah. It was just one of those – And it was just – It, it just, was, just crumbled. It just crumbled.
3: Yeah, one of those issues I remember came out of that weekend, and everyone, it was like – Bit of a toxic weekend in Norman, a lot of people unhappy. Uh, things yeah, not yeah. great. I think it might have been like some coaching turnover, uh, right there. And again, that's like that's that's honestly why I stuck to 2000 and 2008, mostly is I felt outside of that. And again, I know, was it 2011 that year, actually? Right? Oklahoma was ranked number one beginning part of the season. Uh, I just don't feel like that was uh, 10. It
2: was 10, something. was that or 11? Well, did we, beat, we beat Florida to start. It was an uh, eleven. Yeah, 11. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, saw. so it was just a mess, just an absolute yeah. mess of, of what was going on at that time. So yeah, yeah, and it right. started playing poorly
3: and dropped dropped the games to Tech, Baylor, and then blown out by Oklahoma State. I, you know, I guess I should say, having said all that, I probably should have went with Cam Newton because he showed just him alone he would have <laughs> won you a national title. And if you <laughs> throw
2: him on that 2010 Oklahoma team. They lost two games, Missouri. Uh, DeMarco, you know, I, you know. DeMarco and Sterling Shepard and Cam Newton wins you a national championship. That defense was good enough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it does. It just does. I mean, oh, no. I mean, yeah. Go Reeves with DeMarco and Cam basically takes out most of the Big 12. I think DeMarco was yeah. already gone by then, right? No. That was his final season.
1: I guess that's Yeah, right. he was a oh, senior.
4: Was that that Missouri game?
3: That game sucked.
4: Yeah,
3: it did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And same thing happened against a and to your point about, I remember Landry coming out and just fumbling
2: punch snaps the and just. Punched the ball in the end zone.
3: Yeah. I yeah. love Landry, but put him in a pressure cooker, and that guy folds up like a cheap tent.
2: All right. Well, if we're, if we're going to go revisionist here, and right, we're going to go, we're gonna, and we just, we just, I'm going to butcher all this. Let's go. Let's go big time. Andrew Locke. Oh, wow.
4: Was he really that considering Oklahoma? was down
2: to three schools OU, UT, and Stanford. Visited Stanford. OU never had a shot since. But if he doesn't sign with Stanford, I think he probably chooses Oklahoma. Landry's never a starting quarterback. Andrew Luck is. And oh, no, 2010, 11, 12 might be really different.
1: That's an interesting one. I did not know that we were that
2: close. Yeah, Yeah, it was was, – high pull was all over him, and he just could not – the kid visited all over him trying to get him, and we just couldn't break – we could not break Stanford's defensive shield around him. You Good know, man. I can really, is, really
1: see awesome. Andrew Luck and Josh Heupel getting along in a, in a room. Yeah. yeah.
2: They would have they clicked. They would have clicked. But he just uh, is bad and everything. He just went out to Stanford. You know, from, that was it. Stanford wasn't bad. They had just got off the snide a little bit. They'd upset. They would had an upset win over uh, USC. They were forty-point dogs. They were like forty-point dogs. Tavita Edwards was like throwing crap up left and right. Don't having, I mean, you know, Pete Carroll was like losing games that he had no business losing back back then in those two years. But yeah, yeah. If you just tilt. You, you, you tilt the recruiting landscape just a little differently? And Andrew Luck is, you know, I think at the time, if you say it's it's, you know, you say it's OU or Texas for Luck. And uh, Andrew's meeting Sam, I think Sam Bradford and San Andrew would have clicked just like that. And Andrew knows that he could have just read. He wanted a red shirt. He wanted, he, you know, he was interested in red shirting. So, you know, he comes off the bench instead of, instead of uh, Landry in 09. Uh, I mean, things are just a little bit different. Um, and then 2010, 11, and maybe 12, because did Andrew stay all four years? I
4: think he did, didn't he? Uh, I think he graduated. Yeah, I'm would, sure. It would graduated. take all four
2: years. Yeah. I think you, yeah. So that's the, that's, the, that's the spin the recruiting lens just a little bit different.
4: Interesting. All right. Well, I guess it, it, am I up in the first pick of the last round? You are.
1: All right, let's let's take check, check out this list cuz I really want to go with another receiver but
4: you know <laughs> maybe I
1: maybe I will go with him because on my list he is the highest ranked left from his class. Uh it, it's a guy that uh this was a very interesting year, class of
4: 2013. Um I think Bob was kind of getting his feet back under him in
1: recruiting. It was kind of that, that 2013 class is when he started kind of feeling it again, I feel like. Um, I might be a year too early, but uh, I think this guy would have made a big difference. He was the number five overall player on Rivals that year, the number one wide receiver out of Crete Money, Illinois, Laquan Treadwell.
4: I think it was between us and Ole Miss at the end, and Ole Miss was kind of a shocker.
3: Well, well that's what Ole Miss was Everybody,
1: that was the <laughs> yeah, that was the year they signed number one overall Robert Kimdiche uh, yeah. and fourteen Laramie Tunsell. So you know they were going all in,
4: <laughs> and uh,
1: you know Mister Freeze is is back now. So we'll see. We'll see what a, what a pairing Hugh Freeze and Auburn will be.
3: Oh my God! Uh, yeah,
2: but you yeah, know, you know, OU was right there. You're right. He visited OU. OU was leading. It's, the visit weekend was supposedly would, didn't quite go well, and then we got an idea of why it didn't go well. We got vi- graphics of his visit to Ole Miss, and he 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 flashed to hundreds all over his all over his hotel room. Yeah,
3: and he, he, he have the he famous. The famous photo of him holding a stack of money, like it was a phone, like to his ear. It was, yep, uh, yep, yeah. yeah, it's awful. So, yeah. all right, he, he was a
1: he was a great player too. When that that leg injury that he got, I think was that his freshman.
2: Oh, it's year? terrible, terrible. It was old Miss. It was the um, Mississippi State Egg, egg, egg Bowl, pool. right? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it a dislocated ankle? Yeah,
1: was, yeah. Awful, it was. Awful. It was worse than that. I think it was pretty bad. So. It would have been interesting to see how his career would have turned out if that didn't happen. And if he was an OU sooner. All right. I'm up next.
2: I'm going to go old school here. And uh, I'm going to go uh, name. You guys probably don't remember. And that is Justin Blaylock. Oh, he took him off my list. What a name. So. Let's go way back in the Sooner Machine here. 2000, for those of you that don't remember, the 2001 season kind of fell off the rails at the end, right? Lost to Nebraska. Jason White gets hurt. Lost an absolutely awful game to OSU. Let Texas get into the Big 12 time title game. Colorado blitzed Nebraska. Then they beat Texas in an, in an unfathomable game where It literally looked like both Texas quarterbacks were trying to lose the game. Um, Our O-line is a complete mess in 2001 for most of the year. One of our top recruits, Justin Blaylock, offensive guard for Texas, old Big 12 guard, really solid player. We badly needed him. And the end of our season, we lost a lot of recruiting momentum in 2001 at the end of the year. Texas got three or four kids in December. Because they got a big boost. OU was struggling. Mangino left to go to Kansas. Uh, and Kevin Wilson came in. But by the time that all happened, we lost Justin Blaylock. And we were gonna, we, we struggled at offensive guard, finding an offensive guard to play next to Davin Joseph for the next four years. Justin Blaylock, Davin Joseph, uh Vince Carter, Wes Sims, and Jamal Brown is a much better yeah. offensive line <laughs> than than. Uh, Kelvin Shasson, all credit to him. He was a good sooner, but Justin Blaylock would have been a much better player. there. Strengthens that offensive line considerably to make that a much better group in 02, 03, and maybe even 04. But the 04 season is, uh, I, don't, I still don't understand that USC game. So. Yeah, thank you. it's funny. I had him. Uh, he was 2002 recruit. I think
3: he registered at Texas and he went to the NFL uh, 2007 draft, played left tackle at Texas, was an absolute stud. Uh, I think it was a first rounder, maybe a second rounder uh, by the Falcons and had a bunch of Pro Bowls. I thought the same thing. I thought you plug him in to those early lines where he's playing guard next to Davin and then he can kick out the tackle in like five seconds. Six and you've got uh, you know it changes again some of those things where, where Oklahoma was weak funny one I uh, so I mentioned t- Booster from Texas paid for me to come to uh, camp here when I came uh, Justin Blaylock was there and became became friends because uh, I didn't know he you know I think he was whatever it was a sophomore uh, yeah. maybe I was a junior and we're sitting eating lunch one day in, the, in one of the towers in Austin and you know he it's like you know, it's like a locker room, right? So everything you're just kind of giving everybody a hard time about everything. And uh, he's asking, so, are you hearing from any colleges yet? Oh yeah, And I mentioned you know, like one double A Division two schools. I'm like, are you hearing from anybody yet? He's like, yeah. And he mentions he rattles off every blue blood you've ever heard of. Yeah, it's like yeah, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, USC, Alabama, and I was like I started laughing. I was like, I didn't think you were a liar. You know, uh, nope. Yeah, uh, many Pro Bowls later, and uh, millions of dollars. He has the he has the last laugh on on that one. It
2: was a it's a good pick. Yep, he was. Uh, if there, you could have just landed one more elite offensive lineman to help us through that gap, and just everything. I mean, Jamal Brown and divin Joseph, both all pros. Wes Sims was a he got a lot of abuse, but he's a really good college offensive tackle. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. Vince Carter again, really good offensive center in college, really good college players. If you put in another NFL guy around them, that, that with everything else we had, all the other weapons we had, that that that's would have been bad news for some would have been bad news for some people. All right, Caleb, you get to end this draft with the last pick. You get the last word on this. And yeah. and I challenge you not to pick a wide receiver. Oh,
3: no. I, I mean, the, one of the names I have, so I'm, I'm looking at two names and one of them, you're, you will scratch your head. And think, I can't believe that was on his list. Uh, I'll tell you the two names I've got. It's James Carpenter <laughs> and Sergio. Oh, I got you. Right. And so, it, yeah, I'll go with Carpenter. Right. I had him one spot above Kendall because Kendall was an inside linebacker, but he played and. Uh, defensive end, rush end. In Oklahoma, I think during that time, they had like Austin English and Jeremy Beal and Frank Alexander. So they were pretty good. He was at Texas from six to nine. But James Carpenter, he was a Coffeyville Community College recruit 2009. It was Oklahoma, Alabama. He chose yep. Alabama. And it was huge. Uh, obviously, he goes into Alabama. And on uh, Nick Saban's been there two years. I guess going into Saban's third year. Immediately plugs in, starting, I think, left tackle at Alabama 2009-2010. Goes to the NFL. He may still be. I think he is still starting in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I think he's still in the NFL. I was just yeah, and, and it, and it, it came down to – Okay, and, and so and the same thing there, right, Chris, I think. You know you look at the 2019, and it had the best defense Oklahoma has had in – you know, since oh, since oh three, oh four, right? Like, Two thousand nineteen was a legit top five, top three defense. What they didn't, what they struggled with, uh, obviously, was injuries. Like really, really bad. That's what derailed them, of course. But you know, you take James Carpenter and you put him at right tackle with. You know uh, Trent Williams at left, Uh, and then you can start to play around in in, you know inside with some other guys, or you can even play Carpenter inside if you feel like he's one of your best five, and that leaves you Jarvis Jones or uh, or Corey Brandon uh, at right tackle. But I think having another guy like that, where you know they were running the ball with DeMarco like crazy, uh, Chris Brown, I think that helps change that team. And what you don't see is you don't see Sam on the turf, holding the shoulder when your book ends are two first round off of the tackles. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think to
4: me, that's where it changes that. It puts Oklahoma in 2009 of in the, in the national title hunt again, potentially win it.
2: Well, that was a great discussion about almost Sooners. We're going to have a slightly quicker draft about the greatest that never were. You can choose any player from 2000 to 2020 that was a Sooner, that failed to maximize their vast potential as a Sooner. Uh, Matt, you got the first pick in the last draft. Caleb, you get to go first, round one. Who is your number one, never met their potential Sooner? Oh, this seems so easy. It's Red Pomar. Yep, I mean, that was one on my board. That's yeah, on uh, my list. Yep. Well, I, think uh, we, I mean, we all know yeah. what happened in 2006 if he doesn't screw up. And I, and I think I'm probably
3: the guy that uh, I've, I've always felt this way, and I know I shouldn't because of how everything went down and he w- did mislead uh, Bob twice. But, and I always felt bad for the kid, you know, because obviously, you know, the development. And the surrounding cast around him, if, if that doesn't happen, how that changes his life. I mean, I think he's, I think Oklahoma yeah. probably wins in that when def, they definitely do a win a national title with Kevin Wilson as OC. Yeah, you know, I mean, the guy with Randy Walker who helped invent the, you know, some of this like, you know, uh, Ob- spot option stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bomar
4: was a pretty easy pick for number one. What could have been. Okay, Matt, who are you going with? Uh, I think I'm going to go
1: defense with DeMarcus Granger, Ooh, class
4: of okay. 05,
2: five Number stars. three. He's, yeah, and of course, uh, you know, do you remember the play got hurt? I, I was at the Washington game. He hit the Washington center on a full start uh, play, and then the Washington center got his two guards to gang block DeMarcus, blow the play up completely. Play went nowhere, but all three of them bent Granger backwards and blew his back out.
4: Yeah. Yep. Had surgery. He yep.
2: missed uh, the championship game. Yep. His 2007, if you go back and watch, if you watch the 2007 film, his game in that uh, Big 12 title game that beat Missouri. Versus Missouri. It yep. was unbelievable in that game. So yep. I'm going to go with a really easy one, go back in the way machine, because he burned OU twice, and that would be Chris Smoke Patterson, linebacker <laughs> from Chicago, and NEO that couldn't get eligible twice, somehow got eligible at KSU, and still screwed things up. All right, and I got the nod, and it's to me with the, with the snaking of the draft. It's back to me. I'm going to go with Jameel Owens, wide receiver from Muskogee. Uh, top 50, top hundred rivals guy, fantastic wide receiver, did nothing at OU. And it burns us more because OU took Jamal Owens and ignored Justin Blackman, who ended up at, at a, ended up as OSU because OSU had an open ship at wide receiver.
4: All right, All right, Matt, back to you. Let's see. I'm between maybe two guys here. Uh
1: Let's go with the highest ranked of them. Jeremy Calhoun, class of 08. He was the number one running back by some outfits that year. Uh, Expected to carry the torch after Adrian Peterson and DeMarco Murray. Just was buried in the depth chart. Could never really uh, get get some carries. Ended up uh, transferring out to Division II Angelo State. I think he finished with like two hundred and
4: fifty yards total. Um, so I think I think that's uh that's gonna be my pick. Back to you, Caleb. All right. Uh this is actually pretty easy i mean price. another one you picked the guy.
3: Uh Lawrence Modamp here. Uh man, you know uh you just, just couldn't pick. yeah he just couldn't control his uh just, it was just a discipline issue. That's
2: related to caloric intake. Actually, and uh, you no, know, he was he was in great shape the spring, right after the sugar ball, fell down the stairs, broke his ankle. Never came, never got conditioning back in shape. He was six yeah. three hundred pounds, dominating spring ball. Fell down the stairs, broke his ankle, and then like lost all conditioning. I did not know that. I didn't know he broke his ankle. But yeah, he swelled up to. So
3: like 400 pounds or something, uh, just huge. You know, I mean, that guy at 305 and he's he was Tommy Harris esque, right?
2: And uh, he was. you have him, yeah, yeah you, you plug him into that 2004 uh defensive he signed, line. He signed on Thursday. I watched some new streaming service and his announcement ceremony He because he didn't sign on signing day and he chose OU and his film was. High school film was unreal. He was killing folks. I can remember it, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that to me is one of the, you know,
3: it's kind of back to that same thing with Rhett, right? You just wonder, had he been able to uh, just keep himself and in, in from, again, just consuming too many of the wrong calories, right, and been and, and that guy,
2: it's a life changer because that's a, that's a first-round talent at defensive tackle. All right, we are back in the third round. Matt, you're leading off. Well, that was gonna be my pick. So <laughs> we, um, all, we all do Mo Dampierre. All right. I'm gonna go
1: with another defender that just couldn't quite you know make that step for whatever reason. Class of 08 out of Fossil Ridge in Keller, Texas. Defensive end RJ Washington the number one overall defensive end by rivals that year, Uh, five-star top 10 player. Uh, He came up here. I think his grandparents lived in Norman or just outside. Um, Just couldn't get it together. I think he had, let's see, seven career sacks and only eight and a half career tackle for losses. I mean, that's, that's pretty disappointing for the guy that was the number one DN that year. And, uh, you know, that's Oh eight. So we thought, okay, this is going to keep, uh, you know, that, that championship level talent, that championship level defense going. And when you don't hit on your, your five-star defensive end, um, you know, you, you start losing, uh, your defensive prowess. So RJ Washington's my pick.
2: All right. We've got the, I got to go with Brett Rawls. The famous fell out of the back of the pickup truck quarterback uh, from Evangeline Christian, 6'5, 210, ran all over the field, cannon of an arm. Uh, if the old freshman, if you could to play four games, freshman rule would have been in effect – I honestly think Brent Rawls plays in that 2001 OSU game that we lost because Hibble was like punch drunk, couldn't do anything. And our other backup quarterback got busted for dealing, for stealing or dealing pot. Uh Is that but, Hunter Wall? Hunter Wall, who caught that touchdown pass in the 01 uh, K State game, the double, the double pass fake on the field goal. Um, Hunter Wall was, uh, or was he, I think, was he, or was he stealing stuff? I'm not sure which. I don't, don't want to get any more legal trouble here. But anyway, Brent Rawls should have been the guy, never was the guy. Uh, could have been, could have, could have, could have led us from Jason White dominating to Brent Rawls to Rhett Bomar to, to, to Bradford and just had a sequence of just unreal quarterbacks.
4: Back to you, Caleb. Okay. Oh, gosh. Contemplating. I'm going to go with, you know, it's just a sad, thing. I'll go with Lance Mitchell. Uh, and it's, I uh, you know, I think he's got
3: uh, a pretty good NFL career in front of him if he doesn't get that, you know, that leg rolled up on and tear that ACL. And that meaningless uh, is Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, I just think, and, and, you know, fast forward to what that means to to that defense, right, uh, in 2003, 2004. He did
2: come uh, back and play in 04. Played really he did. well. Played really well. Him and Rufus. Both with torn ACLs, playing good linebacker, but just just got torched in that USC game. It's to that point, right?
3: And so that's why I have him on there. I think when you watch him healthy, uh, right? It was it 2 You watch him healthy in 0-2 and you watch like against Texas, and then you watch him in O four, and you see like okay that he's a step and a half slower from that ACL, and uh, you know I think. Having that not being torn, hey, he's an All-American and he gets talked about in, a, in that next rung up with those linebackers, you know, like, like Rocky and Torrance Marshall uh, and
2: Teddy. I, I think he was, he was that talented just so, you know, just injuries. Just letting you know, d Mack might be coming for you with that pick, but all right. Okay. We're bound back to the fourth round. Caleb, good get to go again. Sorry. About- okay.
3: This, this is perfect. This is, this is one that'll be surprising. Chase Beeler. Uh, yeah, okay. you know, and, and, he, and I know he transferred out, but here's here's the thing, right? 2006 recruit, uh, ended up transferring out to Stanford. He you, played. Do
2: you want to rebuild the whole 2009 line with guys, right? So you have Beeler at some oh, absolutely Carpenter, and all of a sudden you we not we don't move Brody Aldridge to center and do all that nonsense. and Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the, and that's why it was supposed
3: to be, right? Cause he signed for Oklahoma in 06 and you were expecting Chase Beeler's our center or our guard starting moving forward. Right. So, I mean, it completely changes the dynamics of that entire offensive line and it, it makes that team, uh, He had you know, a great I mean, career at Stanford and a really yeah, good career at Stanford. He helped snap Adrian Taylor's leg,
2: uh, Yeah. So there's the inverse of that as well. He's not involved in that. So, yeah, it's. And Adrian Taylor's done a first-round draft pick in 2010 at defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm next. I'm going to go. I'm going to choose an easy one here. I'm going to go with Addison Gums. Ah, interesting. Everyone forgets he was a top 30 player on Rivals was supposed to be our next pass rusher, blew his knee out in practice and transferred to Oregon State, where he blew out his knee several more times. <laughs> Poor Addison, just, just a Poor killer in, in terms of what happened to him. He, just, he, he, just, he must have broken mirrors, walked under ladders, uh, hit black cats. I don't know what he did, but Addison Gump's old world guy that we were supposed to, he was supposed to be and just nothing could happen for him.
1: And from what I remember, he, he tore his knee like the second practice, maybe. Yep. I think it was super early and he, he was here basically a week and was gone.
2: Yeah, that's what happened. Oh, I thought I dead. thought
3: he tore it. I thought he tore his AC or tore his ACL in the walkthrough like the Friday before.
1: Maybe that's what it was. There there was yeah,
3: definitely like,
2: something weird about like had his dad was like no, no, we're leaving now if you're not going to play here. And he was like, uh, okay, dad. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one being where Oklahoma,
3: you know, uh, I mean, give Mike Stoops, I know, it, you know, it's good and bad, right? But Mike did some really good recruiting on some guys. I mean, Eric, you know, uh, I guess Eric Stryker was kept by Mike, but brought in by BV. Uh, but I remember Adam Gomes being one of those i talked about that, Mike had to really convince his dad that we're going to use your son in this way. He's going to be our, you know, like an oboe type, right? He's going to be our edge. He's going to be our Jack. And I think that's the story. He, he went through fall camp, had a great fall camp was the starter at that, at that spot. Yep. And then uh tore his ACL in the walkthrough. And to your point, I think, I think class was set to start or had, and uh, maybe it had, but it hadn't started at Oregon state. So they loaded his stuff up that weekend and got out of dodge.
2: And just, just craziness. All right. Final pick of this draft, Matt, you get the final pick of the, of this whole, this whole amusing process. Who are you going with? Who is the one never maximized their potential as a sooner the greatest that never were back to how you about, how about another Mike
1: outside linebacker California guy class of 2016 It's the first five-star on defense we had in in a while. Caleb Kelly. Poor Caleb. Poor Caleb. And I feel bad putting him on this list, but five-star. He was the, I think, the number three edge guy that year. 6'3", 215. He he was a stellar at camps. Um, Just a, a great head on his shoulders. He showed flashes on the field. I mean, he had that.
2: The Auburn, um, the Auburn bowl, bowl game, he's all over the place.
1: All over the place. That uh, TCU Big 12 game uh, before we went to the Rose Bowl, he was all over the place. He just was never consistently healthy. Um, did he have two ACL injuries or just, three. Or just that one? Yeah. <laughs> he had three. Is it three? Man. Yeah. So that's a guy, I mean, everybody expected the world out of him and then he, just the injuries, I think, just – held him back and that's okay. He's still a Sooner. He's still at OU. He's, he's helping run uh, the soul program. I believe Uh, he's doing a lot with the um, graduate
2: degrees, like two graduate degrees from OU, I think.
1: Yeah. He's a a great Cali Sooner. He's, he's still in Norman. So I feel bad putting him on here, but you know, man, if he kind of like some of these other guys we've talked about, if he stayed healthy, I think he could have been an elite football player. I think
2: D-Mack, yeah. make, come out after you for this pick too, so I'm just warning you guys. Well, if, we're, if so, if we're going to, Okay, then I'll remove Lance. Uh, and maybe it was a bad one because he still wasn't probably all Big Twelve with
3: a after he towards the ACL. But I can't believe nobody picked Tony Cade, safety. Ooh, Lewis, okay. So, so I got to. Take, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna remove Lance because he's still one of the. He's still one of the top five, six inside linebackers in Oklahoma in the last 25 years, right? Uh yeah let's put Tony Cade on there. Tony Cade was He's Mr. Okay. Cade. He was the future. He was the future Roy Williams five-star safety out of Louisville Mr. High School film. Yeah, yeah. You ever heard the? I don't think you guys ever heard the Dan Townsend story, him in the weight room, but it's maybe for another time. Uh Tony Cade. I remember his high school film, him just you know, really lay in the wood.
2: Uh, on guys and uh I don't know. the high school I don't know. the high school vhs tip. his 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 reel was like the thunder by HCDC. <laughs> because he just he was hit such a hitter yeah that's a great
4: pick all right well that that was fun
1: uh we thought we'd mix it up uh, this week um hopefully we'll have a few more ideas like that that we can steal from our friends, Barry and DMACC. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, another good episode. Again, as a reminder, make sure you don't miss another one of these episodes by subscribing to the show on your favorite platform of choice. Uh, we do typically record on Wednesday evenings uh, for release on Thursday, so be looking out for some more episodes. Uh, some more information about the players we discussed early on in this episode, Upcoming visitor lists for both the big March weekends, check out Sooners360.com and we'll see everyone around the water cooler.